Hey, my name's David Vaughn. I want to talk to you about going from graves to gardens. It's our last service of the weekend. We saved the best for last. <laughs> Little insider information, give you an update on the Vaughn family. My grandson, Alex, turned 16 not long ago, and he got his learner's permit. Pray for us. Pray for my daughter and son-in-law. I think we just collect a love offering because their car insurance is going up. That's what I'm thinking. Just collect it right here. But, oh, how quickly time passes. It just seems like yesterday I remember teaching my kids how to drive. And I know it sounds morbid, but you know where I taught them how to drive? The cemetery. Now, listen, some of you have kids or grandkids get ready to drive. You get something here on Easter you never got anywhere. I'm going to give you good advice. Go to the cemetery. Why? Wide roads, low speed limit, just a reminder left and right that speed kills. I mean, you get, it's a great place to be. You can learn a lot in a cemetery full of graves and gardens, not just about driving, you can learn not just how to steer a car, you can learn how to steer a life. And that's what we're talking about this weekend. As a pastor, it may not surprise you to know I've spent a lot of time presiding and officiating over funerals in graves and gardens and cemeteries. I've seen a lot, and I've seen a lot of money spent. Now, I'm not down on the cost of funerals. I've got some funeral home buddies. I know they're going to email me this week. David, I can't believe you're talking about me. I've seen a lot of people spend money. It's so ironic I don't know if there has ever been a culture that spent more money at death, other than the Egyptians, but less time and attention to what comes after death. If we put as much thought into after death as we do do the funeral arrangements, it, it would be startlingly good. See, death brings grief, that's for sure. Some of us in this room, some of you watching online, we're so glad you're with us today all over the world. Some of us lost someone this past year who's not with us anymore, but you know what? Something's not lost when you know where it is. That's what Easter is. It's remembering there is not death. It's not the end. Oh, there's a grave, but there's a garden of life. But man, about 3 million people last year died. So grief comes to some, but profit comes to others. It's, it's unbelievable how many people are passing away. I read just this last week that COVID has decreased the life expectancy in our country by almost a whole year. It's startling. It's the largest decline since World War II. People are living less, but three million a year pass away, and it under, uh, underpins a funeral industry that spends about, people spend about $16 billion a year just in funeral costs. And baby boomers, here's why, they want to go out in style. One of the growing trends I've noticed as, I was, as I've officiated at funerals is a growing, emerging trend called designer caskets. I don't know if you've heard about these. They cost about twenty to $30,000. You can even get a casket based on the university of your alma mater with the school colors and the school logo. There's one from Ohio State right there. Scarlet on the outside, gray on the inside. I understand that some of these OSU caskets were actually sold at homecoming football games. When they say homecoming in Columbus, they really mean homecoming. But you can get NASCAR and Reds and Bengals, but I know this is the west side watching for, for some of us, and the west side here, I know we're frugal, 
And so you may not want to go that route. I looked online this week. You can get a casket, did you know this, at Sam's Club? Look it up for $899 and have it shipped overnight. Who puts their Sam's Club? It's like a casket. But David, death and cemeteries and graves and funerals and caskets, that's kind of morbid stuff to talk about on Easter, don't you think? Well, maybe, maybe not. It depends on which side of Jesus you're on. Do you have a religion about Jesus or a relationship with Jesus? Because for Christ followers, perhaps graves for people who love Jesus are not symbols of despair, but they're markers of eternal hope. See, there is another way. If you're brand new today, I'm so glad you're here. There's another way to think about death. It's the way the New Testament writers and Jesus viewed it. Death for them was not the end of something, although that is true. Death for the Christian is the beginning of something. We're not moving from the land of the living to the land of the dying. We're moving from the land of the dying to the land of the living when you're a Christian. Because of the resurrection, death is viewed not just as a grave, but a garden. Let me read you John 19. This is going to set up what John Tisovich is going to share later. Somebody in here, your life is going to be changed for eternity before this hour is over. Because of what happened right here. Later, Joseph of Arimathea, early disciple of Jesus, asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly... Because he feared the Jewish leaders. He was a secret follower of Jesus. Anybody here a secret follower of Jesus? Like you really think you are on the inside, but you don't want anybody to know it. Joseph of Arimathea is your man. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. Notice how bold he got. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. This is original Nick at night right there. Nicodemus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds. By the way, 75 pounds of myrrh and alloys, expensive. They spent money at death even back then. And taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Now catch verse 41. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. There's a grave, and there's a garden. Because, why? It was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus right there. And right here in John's passion narrative, we get a sense that something special is about to happen to this man with this body in this cemetery and in this grave. Anybody here remember or recognize the name Mel Blanc? Any, any of y'all ever heard of that guy? He's called the man of a thousand voices. He's the sound behind all the cartoon characters in Looney Tunes, which, by the way, are the two best words to describe my life the last 12 months. Maybe some of you are Looney Tunes, but I digress. Mel Blanc was the voice of Bugs Bunny, Woody Woodpecker, Tweety Bird, Daffy Duck, and my favorite guy, not because I eat a lot, Porky Pig. Oh, I love Looney. I love watching cartoons. Still love them. Some of y'all say, David, that explains a lot about you right there. But at the end of every Looney Tunes, every movie, every cartoon, Porky Pig would make his way up on the stage, and he would always say the same thing. Y'all remember what he said? 
That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Mel Blanc died back in 1989, and it won't surprise you to know what his family put on his tombstone. Anybody want to guess what they put? You guessed it. That's all, folks. But I say it's not all because of Jesus, the event we are celebrating today that has changed human history. For every person here today or watching online who has a relationship with Jesus, it's definitely not the end. And let me tell you why. Because if Jesus got out of his grave, he can get you out of your grave. Count on it. So which sounds better to you? He, uh, he is risen indeed, or that's all, folks. That's what John and I and our team are going to are here to share with you today and share more in just a moment. Because the important, vital fact every single one of us needs to know, whether you're new, whether you've been following Jesus a long time, you need to understand and you need to hear this. There will be a grave for you sometime, somewhere of some kind. I know some of y'all are young and you've, you got all your hair, you got all your teeth, you're like skinny, death's not going to visit me. Oh, it'll happen to you. I've been studying the statistics on death, by the way. They're quite amazing and stunning. Did you realize that one out of one people die? It's a crazy thing, man. But the difference between that's all folks and he is risen indeed The difference between graves and gardens is this God-man who stood in the gap, the cosmic redemptive spasm and chasm of all time, and he stood there for us. He was a savior, a grave robber named Christ Jesus. And listen to me, he offers immunity for a disease that's far more serious and dangerous and global than COVID. He offers immunity for the virus of sin and eternal death. For when you have a relationship with him, you only have to die once, not twice. And I think the cool thing here is that the gospel of the Apostle John's passion narrative begins and ends in a garden. Started in Gethsemane where Jesus, it says he like sweat drops of blood in his passion for us before He hung on that old rugged cross above me and behind me. The first was Gethsemane, but the second garden was described right here, the garden of the resurrection. You know, someone said beautifully that the story of the Bible is really the story of what happens in gardens. It started way back at the Garden of Eden where sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, and then it moved to the Garden of Gethsemane, another garden where Jesus pled, not my will, but thine be done. And then it moved to the garden of the resurrection and eventually those of us who have loved ones who've died and those of us who have accepted Jesus as Savior, we keep moving through this continuum of garden life until we get to the end of time and we'll be in the garden of heaven where Eden is finally and fully restored. That's what Graves to Gardens is about. That's the fulcrum of where we are today. I, I, I know I'm supposed to be speaking, and it's Easter, and it's our fifth service. And I don't know if I'm tired, overwhelmed by the Spirit. I just, I, I'm just sitting down here bawling. I'm just overwhelmed by God's goodness and how he truly makes all things new. And if you knew the stories of people up here and how God has transformed them, 
And so many of you sitting here today, how God is just transforming you. He's resurrecting you, breathing new life into you. It's overwhelming. The goodness and mercy and the love and the grace that he just pours out. That we get to celebrate today his resurrection. His resurrection, the greatest story ever told. The the Christian narrative, this resurrection of Jesus is where two worlds collide, right? Graves and gardens. And both those words, they, they conjure up images for us, you know, memories, experiences, and some of them are powerful and some are painful. And some people, they see graveyards and graves and they, oh, that's, that's terrifying. And others see them and they're, oh, that's beautiful. But what if the beauty is truly actually where the two collide? Maybe it's in the shadows of the graveyard that we find the beauty of the garden. I want to show you what I mean in the Gospel of John and in his, his account of Jesus' resurrection. John chapter 20, verse 11, we find Mary, one of Jesus' disciples, and she's at the tomb, at the grave, and she's looking for Jesus' body. Verse 11 says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. (laughs) I can relate. And she wept. And she stooped and she looked in and and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they have put him. And she turned to leave, and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. She didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? Mary thought he was the gardener. (laughs) I love that. We'll come back to that. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. And Jesus said, Mary. And she turned to him, tears streaming down her face. She cried out, Rabboni, the person that had seen her for who she was on the inside. And she Jesus didn't see Mary for all the mistakes and and choices the way that everybody else saw her. Jesus saw her. And for the first time, she felt loved. She's been broken. she's, She's been just wandering and lost. See, the thing that Mary longed for the most, Jesus, she she couldn't even see him even though he was right in front of her. And I believe that the thing that we fear the most will cloud us from the thing that we long for the most. What do you fear the most? Every single one of us fears something. What do you fear the most? Death? Failure? Cicadas, 
<laughs> They're coming. Terrifying. Mary's grief, Mary's pain, Mary's fear, it distorted her ability to actually see what was right in front of her. Jesus was standing there the whole time. It wasn't him. It was Mary. Mary was too overwhelmed with all of the stuff going on. She was too overwhelmed to see her reality. And how many times has that happened to us? We can't see what's going on around us. We can't see what's right in front of us because we're too overwhelmed. We're too discouraged. We're too distorted with so much going on. Maybe you can relate. Maybe this is the season that you're in right now. And and what happened for Mary to finally see Jesus? What snapped her out of it? His voice. His voice calling out her name. See, everything changes when the one who loves you the most calls out your name. And Mary had been called a lot of things in life. And maybe you have too. You've been called names that have stolen joy that have stripped you of your worth. And in the absence of the contrary, you start to believe the names that have been said. (laughs) But when we hear the voice of the Father, the one who knit us together in the womb, the one who purposed our lives, when we hear his voice, his voice cuts through all of the distortion, all of the discouragement. It snaps us back to reality and reminds us of who and whose we are. And Jesus is calling out to somebody here today. He's calling out to you to say that you do matter. I don't care what they have said. I don't care what name you've been called. You matter. You are loved. You are enough. You are worth dying for. Maybe for you today is your resurrection day. See, here's the deal. I'm convinced that every single one of us in this room, every single person watching online, all of us have some area of our lives where we are in need of resurrection where we are desperate for there to be a breakthrough, where we're on the verge of just giving up. For some of you, it's a dead career. For others, it's a dead marriage. And you don't want to admit it. But you're on the verge of walking out. For others, it's, it's dead hopes and dreams that you buried a long time ago. Where is it in your life that you are desperate for resurrection? Where you're pleading, pleading for a breakthrough? Maybe for some of you, it's you. It's actually you 
because you've just been navigating life lately, just overwhelmed. Just feeling the weight of the world and you're about to crumble. You've been navigating life trying to, 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 to just to find purpose by, by, by people and success and substance and things and, and none of it has worked. None of it has filled that void because that void is this God-shaped hole in your heart that only God can fill. And so maybe today for someone here that you're actually going to change all that. Today. Today is your day where you're going to say, I'm going all in with my faith. I'm going all in with this guy named Jesus. If you never made that decision to follow Jesus and make him Lord and leader of your life, well then welcome home. Today is your resurrection day. Take your shoes off. You're about to get in the water. Really. Really. Don't believe me? That number started at 17 this weekend. (laughs) Praise God. See what happened in the New Testament all, all throughout the New Testament, what we find is when people, they hear this, this invitation to follow Jesus, they hear the story of Jesus' death and resurrection and invitation into new life. God stirs in their heart and they want to know, how do I respond? And we see in the, in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says that the apostle Peter, his words as he's preaching the gospel, it pierced their hearts. And the people who heard it, they said, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent. It's a fancy religious term. It just means to turn. Turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That day in that moment when Peter preached, 3,000 people were baptized. That's a big all in. That's a big day at the church. But, but notice as we, as we read the text, did those 3,000, they didn't run home to change their clothes. They didn't take an eight-week how-to class. They simply believed and they were baptized. In, in the book of Acts chapter 8, there's a Jesus follower named Philip. And he's talking to this Ethiopian, this, this high-capacity leader. And he hears the gospel story. And he hears the invitation of Jesus. And he wants to know, like, well, the, what do I do to follow Christ? And, and he hears about baptism, and, and, and he sees water, and he says, look, there's water. What's stopping me from being baptized? And so they pull the carriage over to the side of the road. It's really in there. And they stop, and they get out of the carriage, and they go down into the water, the both of them, and he's baptized right there in that moment. And so I'm just going to ask you this The same question that the Ethiopian asked Philip, what's stopping you from being baptized? Look, there's water. Really, what's stopping you? I mean, I know there's a lot of reasons and excuses. And David and I, we've heard heard them all. A lot, of, a lot of what we hear sometimes is, is, is you know, John, you know, I, I, I was sprinkled when I was a baby. You know, and maybe that was you. I know that that's for a lot of you. 
you know, grew up in the Catholic Church or another church tradition and you were sprinkled and, and it was a beautiful day. You don't remember it, you were a baby. But it was a beautiful day. It was beautiful because your family, they wanted to place faith at the foundation of your life. But let me ask you, whose decision was it that day for you to be baptized? Was it yours? Or was it your parents or your grandparents? See, following Jesus and trusting Jesus with your life is a personal decision. A personal decision that only you can make. See, this... this, This may not sound good for some of you, but here's what I know. Nowhere in the Bible do we read about any infants being baptized or even given instructions for infants to be baptized. I'm not trying to to minimize or lessen the importance of your family's commitment to faith. But I do want to invite you to make a personal decision of faith. Because here's what I do know. What I do find in the Bible is that there will be a day where we have to stand before our creator and hold an account. Where he will ask, what did you do with my son Jesus? He's not going to ask my mama and he's not going to ask my grandma. He's going to ask me. He's going to ask you, what did you do with my son Jesus? It's a personal decision. If you've never made that personal decision, what's stopping you? Maybe, maybe what's stopping you, you're like, oh, I, I, you know, I just need to get my life together. I just have all these questions or I have some doubts. I, have, I, you know, I haven't figured it all out. Listen, if you still have questions, get used to it. The rest of your life, you're going to have questions. That's why this is called a faith decision. Maybe for some of you, it's not that deep. For some of you, you're like, John, I got my Easter clothes on. I'm looking fly. I got my garden shirt on. Like, I ain't going in. Nope, no way. Nope. Listen, if that's what you're worried about and that's your excuse, we'll have issues about that. We'll talk about that later. But listen, we got clothes you can change into in the back, okay? You can go down in your nice clothes. You look good going down. You look good going out, all right? Maybe for some of you, you're like, John, my life is a mess. I'm a mess. I have to get my life together. If you knew what I did. Ooh, you, like, listen, here's the deal. You don't get cleaned up to take a bath. You take a bath to get cleaned up. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to continue to worship. And somebody in this room is going to go all in with their faith. Take your shoes off. You, you, you think I'm, last service, I said that, and later after the service, the, the lady said, like, when he said take your shoes off, I took my shoes off. And the mom leaned over and said, I don't think he's serious. And the other lady was like, no, that's John. He's serious. <laughs> take your shoes off. You're about to get wet. I know that some of you 
Some of you may be watching online and you're like, you're actually like, man, I I wish I was there. I wish I could go all in. Listen, if you're in the Cincinnati area right now, go brush your teeth, get in the car and come here. I ain't getting in that water with you, you stank fish. All right, so brush your teeth, get in the car. Serious, David and I and our team will wait. We'll be in the water. Some of you are watching online. We have so many people watching from out of state. Listen, we had somebody watching in Jordan, the country, Last service, they heard it and they went all in. Where they were in Jordan. Maybe you're out of state right now. You're like, John, I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, listen, all you got to do is text the number that's on your screen. And listen, we got a plan to actually come to you and actually have people come around you and baptize you. I'm serious. Because we take this serious. This is the most important decision you could ever make. It affects your eternity. So what's stopping you? Really? I know that some of you, you came here today, you know, celebrate Easter, and you're thinking about your honey-baked ham and your scalloped potatoes and your Easter egg hunt. And, and praise God, that's awesome stuff. But really, let me just ask you, do, do you feel that stirring, that heart pounding, that heat rising, friend? That's not anxiety. That is your heart's response to God's call on your life. Will you respond? I know you didn't plan on it. Will you respond? Two days ago on Good Friday, our worship team was practicing their music and and our worship team stopped what they were doing because two of my family members made the decision to respond to the call of God on their life. Our baby girl, Isabel, she had been asking about being baptized for a while and we were like, oh, we wanted to make sure she knew what she was doing and it was her decision. And and so this past week she was just talking about it and she starts crying. She says, daddy, I want to be baptized. I said, baby, why are you crying? I said, they're happy tears. So I said, okay, we're, we're going to get baptized this weekend, baby. And she goes, but I don't want to do it in front of a big crowd. I was like, okay. I said, that's okay, baby. We'll go in Friday night. There'll be a couple people that you love and they love you and you love. And, and we'll just do it Friday night. And so she's okay. And so I get on the phone and, and I call my parents, you know, because they're coming down for Easter. And I was like, dad, you're not going to believe it. Isabel, she's going to get baptized Friday. And I've been talking to my dad about faith for 16 years. Praying that God would move and make a way and break down that heart. And my dad says to me, I've been thinking about being baptized too, John. Would it be okay if I was baptized on Friday? Listen, it was a good Friday. Check it out. That's our baby girl. (laughs) Yes.
for 16 years, y'all. I don't care if you're 10 or you're 70, there's new life. I brought him out of that water. Some of you have been putting the decision off what's stopping you. What's stopping you? Really? So let's stand. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. Some of you are going all in. Period. I'll see you right down here. We got the lights, that path, that's for you. So Father, we come before you right now and we thank you for a resurrected king. We thank you for new life. We thank you that you are the one who makes dead things new. Thank you, Jesus. I'm asking that you will just breathe life into the dead places in our hearts. I'm asking for resurrection to be felt in a real and powerful way for everyone under the sound of my voice. And Father, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit move right now. That today will be somebody's resurrection day. Have your way with us, Jesus. It's in your name that all God's people say, amen.